Welcome to the Mike Litton Experience Podcast. Mike has over 31 years experience in real estate, finance, and investing. He's passionate about being a father, a teacher, a realtor, an investor, and a leader. Everyone has a story, and our passion is to help them tell it. And now, introducing the host of the Mike Litton Experience, Mike Litton. So what can you expect from the Mike Litton Experience? You can expect stories that will inspire, motivate, advice that will sharpen your focus, and expert information on real estate, finance, and market conditions. Derek Newborn, thank you so much for being our guest on the Mike Litton Experience. I cannot thank you enough for taking time out of your schedule to be with us, and I'm super excited to share your life story with our listeners. Like we talked about before we hit record, everybody has a story, and our passion is to help them tell it. So with your permission, we'll start with when, where you were born, go all the way up to today, and we can talk about anything that you're working on today and or for tomorrow, okay? Perfect. Thanks for having me. I'm excited to I'm excited to be on here and share my story for sure. Oh, we're gonna have a blast, buddy. So <laughs> tell us about where you were born. So I was born in Fort Myers, Florida. And I still I know where that is. Today. Yeah, Southwest Florida. That's a cool yeah. place. Yeah. There's not did too you, many. Did you grow up there? there? Yeah, born and raised. Beautiful. Yeah, so one of the few still. What around. was your favorite thing about growing up in Fort Myers? Um, the great thing about growing up in Fort Myers is just the just the environment because we have Obviously, we have the ocean, but we have just beautiful forest. We have things like the Everglades. We have all kinds of every environment you could think of from like prairies to swamps to oceans to beautiful trees to all that. And uh, it's truly like a unique part of the country that has so much to offer that I think um, if you're not careful, you'll take for granted, especially if you've been born and raised here. So, yeah, yeah I was super fortunate for the outdoors. That's possible. That's possible. Yeah. Yeah. Growing up, who was the most influential person to you? The most influential person was um, my father, even though he was not there for part of it. Okay. He was still he was still heavily uh, influential just because he I just seen him as like he man naturally mm -hmm. and um it's almost like he influenced me the hard way so not like the traditional inspiring my dad's the best but more like he's inspiring me because i don't have a choice but to kind of figure things out on my own okay. which i think had to happen in order for me to get to this side of my life I so I think I was just, you know, just being inspired without realizing it. So a lot of the, the, what I thought was pain was really just lessons preparing me for my, my future ahead. Isn't that so, amazing how you look back and you're like, okay, this all happened for me. Yeah. Right? It didn't yeah. happen to me. It happened for me. Yeah. I mean, it took me like over 30 years to oh, sure. realize that, but, but yeah, I, I truly believe that. It's amazing how you sort of evolved to that, to that place. Right. Yeah. Yeah. You know, a bunch of things have to happen in order for that to take place. And I'm hoping we can discover a lot of that today Yeah, uh, because that's the, that's the real juice, right? That's, yeah. that's where people learn from yeah. what it was that you dealt with so that they can then connect with you somehow 
and get them, you know, inspire and motivate yeah. them, right? Yeah, 100%. About, right? 100%. So where'd you go to high school? I went to Lehigh Senior High School and knew nobody. Yeah. Because uh, I went to a, uh, I went to a private middle school in Fort Myers and then Lehigh was kind of like out in the middle of nowhere. Um, so I went, I went in there just knowing not a single, single person. So that, was, I bet that was interesting your freshman year. Yeah. Cause by, by, um, my junior year, I had my son. So I was oh, a father when I was 16, just to add, add it into the mix to make it even more. <laughs> so my son was actually found out I was going to be a father on my 16th birthday. Wow. Yeah. Wow. <laughs> nothing like adding to it you know that's why i say i like to keep it interesting i guess i guess that's <laughs> cool man all right yeah. so so we find out on our 16th birthday that 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 we're gonna have a baby right yeah yeah what was it like going to high school and, and being a dad um i mean it was it was definitely tough but more so more so just trying to figure out my life because at seven my parents got divorced um and my father uh went to jail for about three years okay. and so that kind of created this cascade of um me feeling a sense of abandonment right obviously my, my father left and you know for no reason this is the person my parents are gonna leave and then that obviously put my mom in a tough situation where she had to become a single mom and figure her things out so like, as I mentioned, when I, the private middle school I went to, now my mom was in a position where due to her work schedule, she would have to drop me off at the gates of the school, you know, before the sun came up and I would just sleep by the gate till the maintenance man came and let me in. Ooh. And so, and you know, how middle school and kids are, they don't really, it's not very cool to be the kid sleeping outside. Right. So mm. it was very difficult to have friends and they just kind of like solidify this feeling of abandonment that I constantly felt. So then I got to got to high school and had had my son. And it was it was so tough for me because obviously I didn't know what I was doing. But even though I was very much a part of my son's life and had his pictures on my binder and stuff, his mother was not happy with our situation. So she created rumors and lies about me about being an absent father. Oh, no. And so again, you know, high school, teenage, you know, people don't want to hang out with a guy that's not, not a good person or a father. So I dealt with that and that, so there's lots of all this feelings of abandonment and just reassuring me that it doesn't matter if you're a good person or not, you're going to be abandoned. I got you. And I was, I was unconsciously just kind of putting on that costume and operating, operating through, through life. Um, and after high school in my early 20s, um, I got married to a woman, not the mother of my child, got married to a woman um, and then came home one day with my son and she had taken everything out of the house and and left. And that was like, now I understand it. That was like my final straw where I subconsciously just said, F it, I'm only going to look out for myself. I'm right. never going to put myself in a position to be abandoned again. Cause that, that triggered, there were so many times when my mom was trying to rebuild her life that we would come home and her boyfriend at the time had taken everything 
from our house, like microwave, everything. We just sat on the floor and, and that. So, wow. like I said, I hit that, hit that wall after my divorce where I was just, you know, I'm never going to let somebody abandon me again. And so as I took that on, um, I got in the fitness industry and the personal and my personal training business became very successful from that personal training um, business. I got discovered through social media um, and became a full-time fitness model because, because of that and because of um, my looks and all that. And as I was getting more attention, more notoriety, I was still kind of unaware of my abandonment issues. Mm -hmm. So I had a full-time girlfriend, happy relationship and all that. And the more attention I was getting from modeling, the more self-sabotage I started doing because I didn't ever want to be abandoned again. So that was like, you know, lying and cheating on my girlfriend and lying and cheating made me feel worse about myself. And I couldn't understand why I was being so, um, so terrible to my girlfriend, even um, neglecting my son as far as spending time with him, yeah. uh, not caring about my parents or anything, just so self-absorbed. And the more it just kept growing, the more attention I got. So on the outside, I had a successful business, was successful modeling career. It looked like everything was going great, but I was feeling so terrible on the inside yeah. and doing so much self-sabotage that I, did, I just didn't know what to do. So I just kept beating myself up, which started just dealing with um, depression on a daily, on a daily basis. And eventually that self-sabotage caught up with me and everybody essentially said, this is enough. I don't want to be around you and all that. Um, and it was very, it was public in the realm of Fort Myers. Fort Myers is not that big and I had so much, so much notoriety. Um, so that led to me actually attempting suicide, which was essentially my my rock bottom. Um, and my mom got there in time to prevent it. But so that was essentially the rock bottom was the, was the suicide attempt. How old were you? Uh, I was, this was five years ago. Wow. This was five years ago. So 35. Okay. Um, because I was, I was just so devastated on the person that I had, had become and all the person, all the people that I hurt, um, yeah. through, through everything. Um, but the great thing about the best thing that came out of me hitting rock bottom and the suicide attempt is I came to the realization that the common denominator in all this turmoil and everything that I've done the common denominator was myself mm -hmm. it wasn't my girlfriend it wasn't my parents it wasn't you know anybody else but me so that meant i was in control and created everything that transpired up to that point so, so that solve it yeah so once i took ownership of the person that i was which i was very narcissistic so i took ownership of that and stop blaming social media, stop blaming my father going to jail, stop blaming my mom, stop blaming my ex-wife, all that stuff. Once I took ownership, I had ownership from there on out to create right. the life and the man that I choose and want to be like. 
Right. And that's how I started my uphill uphill um, climb. And all that I take I've taken and was able to build a men's coaching program to help them overcome self-sabotage so that they don't hit that rock bottom. Because when, like I said, I had so much going for me on the outside. I was so scared to just tell somebody, Hey, I'm not doing well, or, Hey, I'm doing this mm -hmm. because I know when I tried to mention it, they were like, what do you got to complain about? Right. You know? So then the, that just made me feel any worse. So now I've created that Avenue using my own journey as a place where a quote unquote successful man who might be self-sabotaging has a place to come to take ownership and then build from there instead of being judged or, or anything like that. So my whole journey had to happen for me to get to this podcast. I would never yeah. be on this podcast. If I didn't do it, I would never be in the position of um, helping so many, so many people avoid heal and transform. So let me ask you a question. So growing up, who is the most influential? So was your dad the most influential to you growing up? But for the yeah. wrong reasons kind of thing? Um, I think, I don't, I don't want to say the wrong reasons. But I would say not the typical reasons. Right. Um, like he just, he, he just influenced me because, you know, here he was sent to jail. His wife divorced him and his best friend died all with like in a month. So I think he influenced me of like me just grinding it out. Like right. you have to be tough. So like the things I was going through, I was just like, this is, I guess, how, how I got to live. And just, does that make sense? So he's, so he's in jail for three years. Mm -hmm. He gets out. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Then what happens with your relationship with him? And then um, we start building a relationship um obviously it takes a while for him to get on his feet yeah um you know he, like he lives with his aunt and stuff so then you know i go back and forth like joint custody type of type of deal um but just like with my situation uh that i said was public in fort myers his situation was also public again so like certain parents don't want their friends hanging out with the kid's dad that's gone to jail right right so there's always there was always like stipulations that I was not worthy or, or good enough. Right. Um, and I, like I said, I see my father dealing with the same things of like, you gotta be tough. That's just how it is. You, no reason to complain. So I think that influenced me to keep, keep going. Yeah. So you, so you go to high school, you graduate high school. Mm -hmm. And then what do you do after high school? So after, after high school, I went to, um, college in Tennessee for four years. Okay. And, um, University of Tennessee? No, uh, Tusculum College in Greenville, Tennessee. Okay. What's your college? Uh, mass communications. Okay. And that was, again, I think it had to happen for a reason because at the time I hated Fort Myers just because everything that I'd been through, I was so ready, um, right. to, to get out. Yeah. yeah and then getting out of there allowed me to kind of fall back in love with my home and my at my roots um and i and i came i came back to it so i think again it's one of those things that i would have never made it if i didn't leave for those those few years um 
So did you have a favorite subject in college? Man, no, I did not. Oh. I mean, I, I barely participated in, in college. Like, no, I just, I just, to be honest, I did it to suffice my, my parents. Cause they were, they were like shell shocked that I had a child number one. Yeah. Um, so they're like, we cannot, like, you have to get out of here to quote unquote, save yourself or make something of your life. This was back in like early 2000s. They don't have that right. mindset now, but at the time yeah. they were, they were shell shocked. So I kind of just went up there and just went through, went through the, went through the motions. Um, Cause that's what you were supposed to do when you got out of, got out of high school. So you kind of did the league minimum. Yeah, exactly. Bare, bare minimum to get me, get me out of there. Okay. Yeah. So why do you think that is? Why do you think, so when you're you're in college, it's mm -hmm. your first time away from home, right? Yeah. Yeah. What's that like? It's like to be honest, the way it felt was like it just felt normal. Like I remember my roommate, he lived like an hour away from the college. And he would get homesick when, and he was only lived an hour away. Right. And like, I, like for me, it was just like another part of my journey. Like, of course, nobody's going to be here. Like that's, that doesn't make sense. There's no, like, there's, there's no support system. I'll figure, I'll figure it out. Right. But I, but that person that was in college was not, it was still the same young guy that was sleeping in middle school like right. I, I i hadn't emotionally developed or like mentally developed into a man at that point right like I, I didn't have any guidance i didn't know what was right i didn't know what was wrong the only way i just like walking around in the dark just feeling with my hands and trying to trying to figure it out gotcha. so um that's why i don't think i i got some any value of it because i didn't perceive it as valuable i just perceived it as just another another step i didn't have an end goal in mind i was just okay. still still in survival mode what's your what why why mass communications it was it seemed like the easiest <laughs> yeah so again path of yeah. resistance right yeah yeah like I, I was so used to just surviving let me get through middle school all right let me get through high school okay let me get through let me get through college gotcha okay so, yeah i just didn't have that initiative so you get through college mm -hmm. and you come back to Fort Myers. Yeah. What was yeah. that like? I came back to Fort Myers and started um, doing construction and pouring concrete. Um, by that time, my dad had his own, his own business. Um, so I thought I was coming back to like take over the family business. Mm -hmm. And my dad was like, well, you can, you can become a day laborer <laughs> for me. <laughs> Whoops. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So I guess I, I should have took college more seriously, but, um, and then, so I, and then I just really started following in his footsteps because he'd done, um, construction all his life, concrete stuff. And so I just started from the ground up. And again, like I just kind of fell into the path of this is how life is. You're going to work super hard for not a lot of money. You're going to struggle to raise a child. You're going to make mistakes. You're going to do all these things because that's what, your father did and that's what your mm -hmm. grandfather did and that's what your uncle does and i i slowly fell into that into that path um until i got to the point of 
I, I looked around and saw that, you know, my dad was physically beat up from the work. Mm-hmm. My uncles are do that to you when yeah, you're 18, and- by the way, concrete will do that to you when you're 18. <laughs> yeah. Let alone and- whatever age he was. Right. Yeah. And, and none of them that had been doing construction had much to show for it. And they yeah. were already older than me. So I literally just walked away from it and just got in the fitness business and, and just, um, again, I had that mentality that, you know, nobody's going to save me. So if I'm responsible for my success, then I'll figure out a way to be successful. And that's what started the, the upward trend. Gotcha. Kind so, of breaking the mold. Question for you that you may not want to answer. Okay. What did your dad go to prison for? So to this day, I don't know the exact charge because we don't talk about it, but it was it was a financial crime. Okay. With his with his business partner. So it's something to do with finance. Yeah, something to do with finance that you. Well, at least it was kind of a white collar kind of thing, right? Versus yeah, very much white collar. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. but um. It was crazy. Yeah, I, I used to, I did used to go see him in jail. Um, and I'll never, I'll never forget just sitting in a prison yard, just like clinging to him. Cause you only get like 30 minutes and it was like an eight hour drive to, to go see him. Um, and you just sit there and <laughs> again, like, I didn't think it was anything crazy of me just hanging out in a prison yard with my, with my dad. Yeah. But again, it's just one of those things that kind of that surreal. Me. Yeah. Yeah. That You're how old at that point? Um, from like eight to eleven, seven to ten, somewhere well, around. That had, a, that had a real impression on you. Yeah, yeah, I didn't, I didn't realize it till um, like once I hit rock bottom, I started reversing, reverse engineering, backtracking through my life, and like that was, I still remember vividly when they both sat me on the floor, and like I'm going away. I was like, "What are you talking? You can't." Yeah, and that's the way. Yeah, All right. I knew nothing. It's not the way this is supposed to work. Right. Nobody else's dad's going away. Exactly. Yeah. That's the toughest part, right? Because now he's gone. Nobody else's dad has left. Right. Right. So now you're without a dad, technically, right? Yeah. And mom now is having to try to struggle because dad's not bringing any income in. Mom now has to struggle, right? To try and make ends meet. And it just, it just snowballs from there. It just gets worse and worse and worse. Yeah. So let me ask you this. What was it like to be a single dad in college and be that far away from the babe, from the boy? That was the hardest part. I mean, they would bring, bring him up. Um, and it almost felt like, again, it's so surreal because it almost felt like I was doing my, prison sentence yeah yeah something something that i didn't do yeah you're gone four years he was gone three right but but here's the thing there's not a big difference in age okay because by the time you're going away he's what four or five and you were Mm -hmm. six i think yeah so all of a sudden it's like this this repetition thing right the the one thing is you can come back during breaks and that kind of thing dad couldn't Right. I mean, eventually, yeah. right. But, you know, so. Yeah. So there's like a, there was a generational uh, cycle that was repetition. occurring. Yeah. yeah. Cause I know my, my dad's father, he would just leave on a whim and hit in his life. So there, I was stuck in this generational 
um, curse. And your dad really, it sounds like didn't know any different, no. right? It was, no. it was the way he was raised. And a lot of times that's what happens. We're yeah. raised a certain way. That's how we, you know, that's, that's what we know. And so mm -hmm. that's what we replicate. Yeah. And that's what, that's what um, I have the conversation a lot. Cause I've had it with myself. Um, but with clients who have like anger towards their parents or like guilt and shame with themselves. And the reality is like every single day we do our very best given the tools and knowledge that we have at that exact moment. So you can't like, again, I can't be my, he did, did he intentionally want to leave and go to jail? No, but he right. was doing whatever he thought was best for him and his family at that given time. Right. And the same thing I did during my high school years, through my college years and all that we all, it's just how we operate. We don't know any better. Yeah. And there's a lot of freedom in that. Have you gotten to a point? I think you have, but have you gotten to a point where you've thanked your dad for what he did when you were a kid? Yes. I've subconsciously thanked him. Um, and, and again, he's his own person. Uh, so like if I do bring it up to him, that how it affected me, he still comes from the thing. Like things could always be worse. What do you got to complain about? Yeah. And that's fine. He's allowed to have that, but it serves me no purpose to have nothing but love and 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 respect and, and kindness towards him. So I, I've I've thanked him subconsciously. Yeah. Well, as long as as long as you're in a place where you're thanking him. Yeah. Right. That's really yeah. all that matters. Right. Right. The yeah. actual thanking him to to you know face to face, that's not right. That's not the no, biggest thing is you getting to where you had to get to. Yeah, right? exactly. Yeah. So let me ask you this. How did your mom get to you before you were successful committing suicide? Um, so up until that actual point, I was on um a very dark downward spiral. Um, and she only lived like, yeah, she only lives like five, five minutes away from me. Um so she was always like on on edge. Um, because like for I used to like, no exaggeration, cover my bedroom walls and my kitchen cabinets with sticky notes. And on every sticky note, I wrote something negative about myself. And I looked at them like every single day. Um, and so she, she had the mom sense, like a heightened sense, you know, if yeah. I didn't respond with an amount, amount of time, she knew something, something was up. Yeah. Um, and, you know, she texted me in the morning and I didn't text back in a certain amount of time. And she naturally um, came over and got me out of there. Thank God for your mom. Yes. Thank God for my mom. Otherwise yeah. we wouldn't be talking. I know. I know. I know. But yeah, it's, it's again, one of those things that everything happens for, for a reason. Yeah. Okay. So, so mom comes over and, and gets to you before Mm -hmm. this before you're successful so to speak right yeah and you've now officially hit rock bottom yeah. what happens next well go to all kinds of counseling and therapy and all that stuff um Did it help? to get help did it help well, so what I was going to say is, so I went to like every form of therapy, traditional therapy, shock therapy, and all and all that stuff. And um, it didn't help in the sense of like, it just felt like it was just like a standard operating procedure. They asked the same questions. It doesn't matter, um, you know, what your response is. They're on to the next 
question. Um, and one of the, the most um, insightful things is after you attempt suicide, every time you talk to a therapist, mm -hmm. they always ask you, do you feel like hurting yourself today? Or have you thought about hurting yourself today? And that just shows me how disconnected they are because myself and I'm pretty sure anybody else is not trying to hurt themselves. They're trying to get away from the hurt. Yeah, but don't they have to do that for liability purposes? They might, but oh, they don't they have, do. but they're, but they don't have like a conversation about. So when they would ask you that, when they would ask you that, did you shut down? No, I just say, no, I have no desire to hurt myself. When I tried to kill myself, I didn't want to hurt myself. But did it affect, did it affect yeah. you sharing with them? Like, yeah. did, you, did you close up? Um, I, I wouldn't say close up. I was more, um, a little shorter with them. So less uh, likely to share is what you're saying. Yeah. 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 hundred percent. So you basically closed up. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I guess you could say closed up. Sorry. I feel I'm not like trying I was... to be right here. What I'm saying is I think it's important that we talk about this. Okay. Yeah. Because where you were, there are people that are going to listen to this podcast that are headed there. Okay. Right. Yeah, exactly. And it's important. I feel that people understand that, you know, therapy is important. Yes. But one size fits all therapy is just not, I mean, it's for lack of a better term, it makes you feel like a number. Yes. Right? You yes. feel like, okay, they're not asking me about me. They're asking right. me what they have to ask. Right. That's yes, on the playlist. That's a script. That's you. Yes. With me? yes. And by the way, they're going to grab the same script for the next person that comes in. Yes. Okay. Yes. So how is that helping me? Right. Yes. My, very well said. Very well. Very well. well I'm, said. Just, I'm just trying to, I'm trying to, I'm not trying to say it right. I'm just trying to point it out because really, honestly, there are people who have that are listening to this that have been through what you've been through. And there are other people that are headed down that road. Yeah. And one of the absolute most invaluable things that I think you're doing is letting people know that I went through this. I, I was there. Right. And yeah. your life story sort of shares how you sort of got to that point. Like it just, it just kept building and kept building and kept building and kept building. And yeah. as it built, you put up a bigger and bigger wall wall. Yes. And you were, and it, and it got to a place to where it was an impenetrable wall. Right. And you were yeah. doing it because you had this place in you that you had to protect. Yes. Right. And yeah. what I want is I want people who are listening to this that are headed down that road to realize that the time to talk to somebody is is now, right? Yes. The time to talk to somebody is before you get to the place where you're putting post-it notes on the wall right. about how negative you feel about yourself and you're and you've built that wall up to where the only other option out, the only other thing you can do to protect yourself is to end it. Yeah, 100%. Does yeah. That make sense? Yeah, it makes it makes tons tons of sense because I remember I was at the point where I knew things weren't good and I needed help, and literally sitting at this exact computer, I reached out to twelve different therapists mm -hmm. and had to leave a voicemail or send an email, and I didn't hear back from from any of them. Um, so once I did get to the to the 
therapy yeah it was just like there was a disconnect yeah there's a disconnect for me so i turned to i turned to um a pastor to mentor me because another thing is if you are having those dark thoughts about ending your life or just expressing a thought about it mm -hmm. if you say it to the wrong person they'll immediately baker act you yeah and completely and so okay you know, so hold on no, hold on i know what baker act is talk explain to our listeners what baker act is so that just means you get admitted to the hospital against your right will, right so they're going to report to the authorities mm -hmm. the authorities are going to come pick you up mm -hmm. probably they'll handcuff you they'll put you in the back of a police car and they'll take you to a hospital yeah for observation yeah Okay, again so that's what's called a baker act yeah or it, you know baker acting you right yeah you'll get you'll get you'll get baker acted yeah so so and and you know in different states they don't they don't do that right it's it's you know florida florida's unique in that yeah. florida understands mental health i think better than most states to be honest yeah. with you okay. uh, i lived there by the way if you know orlando lakes is i actually lived yeah. there for a year okay. so sold new homes there um so I'm I'm thoroughly impressed with Florida. I think I think Florida has their stuff together. Um, good to hear. I'm a big fan. Good, good, good. So, so, so you went to a pastor. What made you go to the pastor? Was it the fact that? So, okay, hold on, hold on, back up. So, if you if if somebody's listening to this and they're in the situation yeah. you're in, mm -hmm. and they're calling twelve different, um, twelve different therapists. And they're getting voicemail and they have to email, whatever. They're not getting a response. What would you suggest they do instead of instead of going the other route? So right? if they're if they're listening, I would 100% tell them to send me a message. Okay. Directly on my okay. social media because that's I created this exact space for those situations. Okay, um, so how do they? How does somebody get a hold of you if they're in crisis right now? Yeah, how do so they get you, a hold of you on social media? So you can uh, send me a message on Facebook, which okay. is just newborn. My name, Derek okay. Newborn, it's or on D R E K, right? Yep. Okay. Newborn, just like newborn baby. It's a newborn um, baby. If they're on Instagram, just message me at D Newborn. Um, okay. I have, I keep it all organic in there. That's where I have all my conversations and like i said i've created this space specifically so that you can express yourself without being chastised criticized or me calling the police just a face-to-face -face, um, there's no judgments what you're saying no judgment like this is this is the whole reason why i created it because i've been in that situation and when you and all it does when you have nowhere to turn all that did was just solidify everything that I had written on the wall. Right. Like you're not even worthy of getting help. That's right. why. It, that's why. And it reinforces that voice in your mind that it's time to end it. Right. Yeah. The, yeah. One of the things we're going to do with this is probably save some lives. Yeah. Because there are a lot of people out there, especially post COVID. Okay. Oh yeah. One of the things we learned during COVID was there's there, there's a lot of people on really thin ice. Yeah. Right. And their lives took a, a spiral downward, and some of them are still trying to get it back. I mean, some of Very them, much so. you know, still trying to get rid of the alcohol and the drug abuse and the, yeah. you know, right, and yeah. the and the self loathing thing that takes place. Yeah, uh, and it's you know it's 
it's it's hard when you're lot when you're when you're cooped up like that and you're climbing the walls and all that kind of thing. It's rough on you, you know. Yeah. Especially when you have all so. this other stuff going on too. Exactly. exactly. So they reach out to you directly, no judgment, right? Right. Yeah. What made you go to the pastor? Um, I was I was out of options to be to be honest. I was out kind of more desperation therapy. than anything else, right? It was it was my last turn. Um and so I found somebody that I knew mm -hmm. had some um, downfalls and struggles in their life previously. And I've realized I needed that more than I needed a licensed therapist. I need somebody that can walk me through it. Somebody that can acknowledge what I'm feeling and then help me build a plan to get out of it. Not just oh, and, tell and me and my listen. time's up and sign the paperwork. And listen to you. Yeah. And not, yeah. not judge you. Yeah. And so that, that helped, um, tremendously. And then I kind of just hung on to, um, the resurrection of Jesus and just really cling to that. If this person, um, can come back to life, then I can come back to life. I, from here on out, like life doesn't have to doesn't have to end and it, it was literally just baby steps from there i mean i had so much social anxiety and so much shame and embarrassment from everything that i'd done like i would just self-medicate with with pills and alcohol on my couch just to pass the time mm -hmm. uh, and then um, it helped me to just start taking my dog out for a walk downtown mm -hmm. and then taking myself to lunch and then building my self-confidence and then being able to interact with people mm -hmm. without thinking they're just subconsciously criticizing me or going to say bad things about me. So it was a, a very step-by-step -step process that got me, that got me through it. And like I said, once I took ownership of it, it that was the biggest game changer for yeah. me. That was huge for me. Yeah. It's tough, man. It's tough. Cause it's the easy way out is to blame everybody else. Right. Yeah. Yeah. That's the easy way. Yeah. The tough yeah. thing is to sit down and go, okay, now what? Right. Yeah. And I gotta, I gotta take this and I gotta own it so mm -hmm. that I can get better. Right. Yeah. And like yeah. you said, you know, tiny things like taking your dog out for a walk or going to lunch. And, mm -hmm. you know, these are, they really are honestly baby steps, right? They're, they're yeah. little things that you do where you can kind of take one victory on top of another, on top of another, and you stack them. You know, yeah. dude, you've got yeah. to write a book. Seriously. Okay. So you get into, so you get into, um, so, so after, after you hit rock bottom and you take ownership, mm -hmm. you get into coaching. Yes. Right. Well, well, yeah. So I had my fitness coaching business. Right. And I started sharing my journey and all that and the process that took me from rock bottom to where, I, where I'm at now. Right. And then um, so many people started reaching out that it naturally created a coaching program. So just like I connected with somebody that had the experience, mm -hmm. people were connecting with me because I had firsthand and I was being super transparent about my dark side, about when I was a narcissist and all that stuff. And that really connected with people um, and that built the coaching business from there. So I take them through the exact steps um, that I that I went through. So are narcissists born or are they built? They're built. Nobody's born a narcissist. They're all created. And what people don't realize, and I feel like narcissist is such a buzzword these days, um, but narcissists are created 
which means that so like when I was most narcissistic was when I was in the relationship with my girlfriend. We were together for seven years. So when I cheated or lied, she would always try to make things better or, you know, forgive and let's let's fix this. And all that did subconsciously based on my trauma and my behavior was just let me know that what I was doing was OK. Mm -hmm. Right. So if she would have put a stop to it and ended our relationship, that might have prevented me from growing into that. Right. So people are so judgmental against narcissists, but they're, they're created. Things have to happen for a person to become a narcissist. You got to right? be enabled. Yeah, you have to be right. enabled. And the person that's to closest built. to you is the one that enables you. Exactly, exactly. Right? Yeah. She thinks she's loving you. Right. Right? And what she's enabling. really doing is building a monster. Yeah, yeah. Not uh, knowing, of course, but, you know, right. right? Yeah, yeah. So, so, so you reach out, you're transparent with people, mm -hmm. and it creates this coaching business. Yes, sir. So... Talk about how you coach people. So somebody's going through this, they're having a dark time. They're really going through a rough, a rough patch that's yeah. similar to what you were going through. They reach out to you. What happens next? Yeah. So they, once they reach out, we have a, we have a call. And the very first thing I ask them is who is, who are you? So like I was asked, who's Derek newborn. And what happens is, People will say, uh, you know, I'm a I'm a father, I'm a boss, I'm an employee, I'm a mm -hmm. brother, I'm a great friend, whatever. So those are all actual attachments. Mm -hmm. Those are all titles, right? Mm -hmm. So the real question is, who are you if you woke up tomorrow with no friends, no family, no money, you know, none of that? Who's that person? Mm -hmm. And they have no idea, right? So if you have no idea who that person is, you have no process. You don't even know what you want. You don't know what you don't want. You have right? no foundation. You have no foundation. Nothing right? to build on. Yeah. So then what we do is figure out all the things, all the negative things that they're telling themselves on a daily basis. Right. And from how those. You, how do you do that? I literally tell them, write down what you say to yourself when you feel the worst about yourself. Wow. So they'll they'll write them down. And these, so now they have a list of negative statements. Now these do things you, that they do you dig that? further? Do you dig further to see if you can get even more? Oh yeah, because you yeah. know you know they're going to stop right at some point. Yeah. They're going to right because it's a self defense mechanism. Yeah, at some point they're going to stop, and you know. Yeah. So you're it. I, I'm getting the feeling that you are ahead of me already, right? But you're you're getting this from them, and you're kind of going, uh, "Now this is right. We need yeah. to right." So you dig. Yeah. Yeah, hundred percent, hundred percent. Because like it's the same process I went through, so I, I know kind of what's going on right. and where, where the where they're going with it. Um, and when they have all those negative things, we just flip them to the opposite, which is a positive statement. Okay. Okay. And these positive statements are most likely more. Um, closer to the person they actually are than these negative statements because we're not put on this earth in this negative form we're actually created and put it on this earth with specific gifts and purposes but through trauma we essentially hide and put costumes on and it's usually our trauma is the t is to remind us of our gifts so like my gift is to help others and inspire others but i my trauma wasn't abandonment 
Right. It was isolation from people. So there's a law of polarity that applies to all of us. Okay. Does that make sense? Yeah. Right. So I, you need to explain it. Yeah. <laughs> so, so again, so if we start with these negative statements, these negative statements are in our head because we created them. Right. So by me flipping them into the positive, that puts us in a direction of the person that they actually are. So now you're either going to go this way or you're going to go this way. That's right. that law of polarity, right? Yeah. Polarity yeah. is you're going to attract or you're going to, you're going to, for lack of a better term, you're going to gravitate this way or you're going to mm -hmm. gravitate this way. This right. way would be negative. This way would be positive. Yeah. And okay. what happens is whichever direction we go, we usually go in the negative way because of the trauma that we experience. So we end up creating what we fear the most. Right. Right. Just like I feared abandonment. And guess what? I wound up abandoned in all sense. Creating, of form. Creating, Create yeah. it, right? right. So driving people away. Exactly. So yeah. just like they, those negative statements in their head because they created them, mm -hmm. the positive statements are also created by them in their head. They're just, they've just been buried for so long. Right. So then just like they've been shown through their trauma that they are these negative things. Now, we start to discover how many times these acts have been shown they are these positive things. Gotcha. And that's how we start building momentum into the foundation and taking ownership of the new life that they're creating. So it starts to build on top of itself, just like just like the polarity to the negative, yeah. the polarity to the positive starts to build on itself. Yeah. So yeah. you snowball them. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Just over just over over time. Yeah. Just over time. And it's not, it's not a constant linear progression no. it's up it's ups and downs and the only way you grow is to um experience and then sometimes you're like whoa that's too much and it sets you back a little bit but you still grow either either way yeah, so by good buddy of mine that's my former pastor and he said you know my humans are messy yeah 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 because you know what what happened with me is um once i got back on on my feet Right. It's one thing to take ownership and be like, hey, I'm acknowledging I did all these things. I'm turning a new leaf. But that doesn't mean anybody in your life has to agree with it or believe it. Right. right? So that's kind of like a blow. You're like, I'm still alone here. Right. right. So you have to be fully committed and take ownership. And as I was progressing, another part of me that I didn't realize was unhealed is when people attack me directly based on my past right. was a trigger and would send me on a downward spiral because I'm doing all this work. Yeah. And then to hear somebody say, you're still the same person was like crushing. And then that actually put me in a mental hospital for seven days because of the downward spiral I was on. Yeah. So that's why I mean, it's not always linear. Like you get tested and then you learn from it and now you come back stronger even more. Yeah, but see, the most important part of this is you're sharing this journey with them. Yeah. So they know what to watch out for, right? So the mm -hmm. people that yeah. are, you've gone ahead of them is what I'm getting at, right? It's what a yeah. mentor and coach does. You've yeah. gone ahead of them. And so now you can prepare them for the fact that, hey, people are going to have, people are going to say things, right? Yeah. People are going to have opinions. There are going to yeah. be things, you know, it's going to take time for you to change people's opinions and change people's judgment. Yeah. 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 And that's the, that's the thing I, I make sure they're clear on is just because you're doing all this work doesn't mean life gets easier. Right. 
you just have a stronger foundation. You have a, and you have um, more tools to overcome the things. You know, something you, to build on. Yeah, you have something to build on. It doesn't mean all life's problems go away. It doesn't mean yeah. everybody is fine and dandy with you. And actually, you might create more problems. Own. Yeah. Right, because yeah. the negative stuff is easier to believe. A hundred percent. Yeah, for I still do. Right, for yeah. the people that are important in your life that you've surrounded yourself with, the negative yeah. stuff is easier for them to believe too. Yeah. So this is, you know, right. You're preparing them to to dig right. out of this thing, and there's going to be some digging involved. Yeah, which is why, which is why the question, "Who are you?" is so important. Because what if tomorrow, right, your wife leaves you, or or something like that? You have to be rock solid on on who you are and know exactly who you are because yeah. you're going to be tested and be willing to take ownership of it. Yeah. Yeah. All right. So we know how people get a hold of you. We'll put a, a link to it on your, on your description. Is there anything else you want to cover before we wrap up? Uh, no, I think I, I think I covered everything unless there's anything, anything else you want me to touch on. No, I, I think we're good, great. buddy. I know we went a little <laughs> deep and I, and I, I, I don't it. apologize for it because there are people oh, that are listening yeah. to this that needed us to do that. Okay. Absolutely. And they Absolutely. needed to know what you went through and what potentially they can do to dig them their way out. So yes, sir. you've got to write a book, by the way, I'm going to stay on you until you do. And then okay. I'm going to have you come back and talk about the book you're, you've written. Okay. I appreciate that. That's a deal. You got right, it. Buddy. I appreciate you. It was great to meet you. Derek Newborn, right, thank you for being our guest on the Mike Litton experience. Thanks. You're awesome, buddy. We hope you enjoyed another episode of the Mike Litton experience. If you did, do us a favor, smash that subscribe button, tell your friends, family, and coworkers about our program, and wherever you get your podcasts, please leave us a rating. It helps us to connect with quality people just like you. And that's a wrap. Another episode of the Mike Litton Experience in the books. Reach out to Mike on Instagram at Litton Realty. Want to meet with Mike? Check out calendly.com slash Rio 760.